This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services located on Kern Street in Exeter, Pennsylvania. Springtime is here, and that means it is time to start thinking about getting your yard looking its best. Do you really want to be in your yard all weekend digging things up and planting something new? Wouldn't you rather spend time with your family by the pool or doing fun things with the kids this summer? Instead of cutting the grass, let the professionals at Keller's handle the hard stuff. They are family-owned and operated and looking forward to assisting you. Visit them on their social media page for more information. Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Get your free estimate today. Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. And we're live. Samuel O'Connell, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a long time since uh, I saw you. Years, uh, I think, at this point. But uh, great to see you. It's great to see you. Yeah, yeah. great to uh, see you. Good fond memories of the old uh, NEPA scene podcast every Wednesday night or whatever. Yeah, it was. Uh, I probably haven't <laughs> seen you since then. When I stopped doing that with Rich in 2019-ish, the middle of that that year. So, yeah. yeah, that was, and then six months later or nine months later, we had a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. So, uh, here we are. Yeah, it's weird to see people you haven't seen in two years or whatever, or three years, and you feel like you just saw them and they're like, Yeah, it's been two years. And you're like, fuck, I'm like, oh my god. Well, the internet, man, you have we have this this <laughs> thing that the Facebook and Instagram, it's like I feel like I see everybody every day. Yeah, true. You look the same. Well, that's good to hear. Still uh, handsome. <laughs> Right back at you, buddy. I'm not very punctual with your time. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's Sam's no 15 minutes late today. I had to call him out. <laughs> I, I deserve I, it. I need things to talk about. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, you know, life happens, man. Like, you're you're very busy. And I mean, obviously, we'll get into all that. I mean, we're here to talk about the band Noxon just released a uh, first full length called Rattlesnake. So that's out streaming everywhere right now. So if you're listening to this, when you're done, Go stream that on all the streaming services. Um, that's a follow-up to an EP that came out, what, like three or four years ago? Maybe? Yeah, 2018. Uh, the first first EP came out. And then, uh, yeah, this time coming back with a full-length album. A little bit different sound, but uh, I think some some of the, some similarities. Hopefully, you'll be able to tell, tell that they're from the same artist. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> Lots to talk about tonight, um, including a new segment uh, called Take a Shot, where I'm trying to get the listeners involved. And uh, Take a Shot is sponsored by the V-Spot in Scranton. Serving up shots, beers, good music, great food, seven days a week. So I got a few questions for you from that. So that's good. We'll get into that, too. But uh, thank you for sharing that, by the way. Trying to get people involved and kind of... uh, more familiar with maybe who you are but uh but yeah so new albums out it's been out for what three weeks ish yeah yeah three weeks i uh, came out in the middle of april um and 
it's it's a it's a big relief for it to be out. Uh, I definitely loved making it, recording it. I mixed it and mastered it myself here in Knox, and and uh, it was it was a real haul. I, I mean, the learning experience of doing all that was literally hundreds and hundreds of hours. But so I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm glad it's out. <laughs> and how long did it take you? Well, so I mean, it's funny because um, during the pandemic, I was just well, I guess we're still in it, but lockdown, I was like, lockdown on paper was the time of my dreams. I always, I wanted, I just, I'm a, you know, like you said, I can be, I can find myself very busy and I just really always work towards being able to relax at home and, uh, you know, have a structured life. And during that time, I was just really not inspired. So for those two years in the pandemic, or, you know, when it was real hot and, uh, you know, everything was canceled and we were locked down for the summer. I really didn't do anything creative. I just worked out and, you know, started learning how to play different instruments and whatnot. And then really wasn't until last October that I buckled down and just started recording. Last October? Uh, October, 2021. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So from then until about February, I was I was writing, recording. So that came together fairly quickly, then. Once I buckled down, yeah, yeah, I uh, I think I had a little creator's anxiety where I just felt uh, guilty for for not making stuff, and uh, then I so when I finally got into a good routine, I I slapped it together pretty quick. Yeah, that's. I, I was expecting you to say, "Hey, you know, I was working on this for two years during during the pandemic. Not, uh, uh, I didn't touch anything for two years, and then you know, I one day I woke up and said, yeah, you know, it's time to get this out. Here it is.' Well, a song took ten years to write, um, or, um, you know, or longer. Uh, okay. there, there's one song, the last song, Holy Water, is, uh, you know, back at high school song that I we started writing and uh, just kind of moved and shaped throughout the years. And I, I don't think I had the talent or skill to, uh, to record it in the past. And I finally tackled it. And it came out the way I feel like I would like it. Yeah. I feel like and what I like about your music a lot is I feel like you're a storyteller. And I think, I mean, you know, you're, you've always been, I've always known you as a very creative person. Um, you know, you are, uh, the creative director at, at Cole Creative, uh, a great uh, marketing and ad firm um, in downtown Wilkesbury. We can get into that in a little bit too. But like you've always been like you know a videographer and, and and you know a content creator, and I feel like that really comes through in your music as well. Yeah, I think it's because that's all I you know. I, first and foremost, you know, I, I like to I like to think of myself as a videographer, or a filmmaker, so. I took a pretty similar approach to making music, you know, even to the point where I'm not really necessarily, I wouldn't call myself a musician where I, I don't necessarily have a mastery of any one instrument, but I can, you know, play chords and then take those chords and translate that and, uh, you know, mod, you know, create something in the program. So it's more of a technician than a musician, but it's, it's definitely interesting. And I appreciate you saying all that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you listen to the song like uh, an education, and um, there's just a lot of storytelling in that. And when you, you listen to that song, it's like you kind of put yourself in in that situation when you know you, you sing the lyrics. And um, same with uh, "Hold Me Down." 
Um, you know, is that how you kind of write music? Is is from? And I mean, are those experiences that you had, and, and you and you use those to to tell actual stories, or is that just kind of fiction? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the interesting thing is, is I think part of the reason is um, I'm most inspired. I think you know from from past experiences is the best time for me to write something is when something really bad happens and I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to write, write about this. And it's almost like a way of getting it out of my system. And I think, you know, during, I've just been kind of happy these past couple of years. So I, I haven't found the way to be inspired by being super content and happy. And like, how do you write a, you know, and some of these songs are happier and, and it was just a learning experience of figuring out how to be happy. And the funny thing about hold me down is it's the idea for the album. I moved here to Knox and, couple of years ago and uh, my neighbor next door was like if you want to live here you know people are going to mess with you you got to get a gun and i was like oh okay and i you know move, moving for like coming from 44 i was like well i guess I, I best go get a gun so i like went to cabela's and bought a child's gun and you know it was like in the plastic wrap and i, I just had this like notion of knocking in the in the neighbor he said like there's a gang here called the natives and they don't like out outlanders or whatever they called and he said that we were outlanders, so that expect, you know, trouble. So I started writing the album as a kind of a concept album about outlanders. And of course, if you're familiar with Knox and lore, there's the rattlesnake roundup every year. And there's mm -hmm. there truly are a good amount of the snakes up here. So I started creating this story in my head of a of a family who moved to Knox and not unlike my own. And uh, there was the gang of natives who would capture outlanders and feed them to this massive rattlesnake and that was like the, the idea and hold me down is actually from the perspective of a, of a of a creek monster and it's told like a love story but it's actually a creek monster who eats somebody who goes and swims in the lake so that was really that's really the only one that comes from a storytelling perspective and really the other ones are really about personal experiences um here at Knoxon or just in my life in general um you know, riding on a dirt bike down dirt roads. Uh, as cliche that sounds, like for me, that was one of the greatest moments of my life is just getting on a dirt bike and and or, or a motorcycle and riding down. And, you know, one time I was riding, an eagle was flying above me and it just felt like something out of a movie. And of course, like I said, I like to consider myself a filmmaker. So I, I live for those movie moments and that's really what I am drawn to write about. That's like, that's America shit right there. Now you yeah. said you just moved to Knoxon. I th I thought you were originally and like born and raised in Knoxon. Yeah, I, I just moved here. Actually, I mean not just uh, 2014. My fam my my family moved up to these parts, and uh, I was fortunate enough to move next door. And uh, yeah, and, and I really quickly adapted to the lifestyle. I was born and raised in Wilkes Bear, and uh, and always longed for being in the country to have chickens and you know uh you know farm animals and i get to kind of live that live that dream a little bit up here and also you you, you work in wilkes Bear all day god love wilkes Bear. I, I love wilkes Bear. i love downtown wilkes Bear. i love what's growing there but it's it's kind of nice to as you're driving it just gets quieter and quieter and you get out and there's all the stars and, and whatnot yeah sam i was born and raised not too far from knox and i grew up in Hunlock creek okay it's like the other uh, ass cheek of the valley. I yes. feel like they're very similar, uh, similar people, similar terrain. Um, yeah, I feel sure. like Shikshini is closer to <laughs> Noxon than uh, than Hunlock Creek is to Noxon, but it's all the same out there, really. A lot of farmland. 
a lot of deer. No law. I don't think I've ever seen a, a police officer around these parts. And and to to my neighbor's credit, uh, well, not to the opposite of their, their credit, I've never been messed with by any native gang or or anything otherwise. Everyone's been really really lovely. When I was growing up, um, there was one cop, and he was. Uh, I went to school with his kids. His son was like two years uh, younger than me, and his daughter was a year older than me. Um, but we always knew we knew where he lived. You know, he always would you know patrol the area. And he, re- he retired one day, and it was like if you 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 never see cops. You know, if you see a steady every now and then, and then you're like, oh, what's going on? But yeah, it yeah. was uh, quiet out there for sure. Yeah, like speaking of getting that gun, like you know, I I. I had never shot a gun. I had never done anything, but I, um, you know, I, I, I came out here and I, I wanted chickens. Uh, I really, I really wanted chickens. So I was at the Luzerne County fair and there was like a box and it was like peeps, three bucks per peep. And I got 10 and, um, you know, I came here and my, my little brother was my neighbor and he was maybe 10 or 11 at the time. And we built a chicken coop together and it was this beautiful brother moment. And I, we raised these peeps up from, from, you know, being little chickens and it turned out eight out of 10 of them were roosters, mm. um, which are vicious. I don't know if you've ever heard of like roost, people get roosters and they're like, they replace their guard dogs because they're so mean. Yeah. And of course, cockfighting is if you have multiple roosters, they try to be dominant. So I had these 10 or eight vicious roosters. They were absolutely the meanest. Uh, they would attack me. They would attack my neighbors. It was, it was a really horrible thing. And I was researching how to get rid of them. And my dad had remarried a woman from the Philippines and, you know, she, she had a chicken farm. She's like, you can grab two by the head and just spin them. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, that's not for me. I, I raised them. I, they, these are my, you know, I like uh, this I, I, for, for the most part, but finally I, I, you know, I, this is maybe a little graphic, but I, you know, you, you're like, I have to, cause they're, they're vicious and they're attacking my hens and my dog. And I have to call the flock and be a farmer for a second. So I, took the plastic wrap off my, my gun that I'd had for a, a year at that time and knocked on all my neighbor's doors. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cut down the flock here. I'm going to take out some roosters. And they were all like, Oh, we'll, we'll come watch. And, you know, I had a, I had a nice little crowd of, uh, and I'm, you know, I never shot the gun. I'm shaking. And yeah, man, it was, that was the first, first time I, I, I had to call, call my flock and be a, a real Noxon boy. And after that, I was, initiated i was in the gang yeah i mean that's wow my uh so i grew up out in the creek like i said and um uh, my my mom's brother so my uncle they lived out in reading and well outside reading and they grew up and, and they had you know chickens and all this kind of that kind of stuff too and they would come in for easter and they brought in a box of three three little ch- chicks and gave it to us for Easter. My my dad was pissed because <laughs> like I'm like like what we as little kids it? were like in love with these things. Like my dad's yeah. my dad couldn't be like yeah yeah take these home or whatever. Like <laughs> so he, he oh man I felt bad. I, you know, looking back on it now, it's like I appreciate that he didn't um, uh, you know kind of veto that and, and immediately. But, <laughs> yeah, um, for a little bit. Yeah, not very long. Um, I th- one end actually ended up dying. Um, out of the three, I forget how or why. I mean, I mean, they were in our house for a while, like in a big box with like you know the heat lamps and stuff. Um, but uh, 
eventually my mom took them to someone down the road who had chickens and uh, you know, they happily took them because they were used to that life. And as much as I grew up in the country, I was not uh, so much a country boy, I guess you could say. I mean, I definitely played in the woods and shot BB guns and rode bikes and all that kind of stuff. But, and I wasn't out catching snakes. And I mean, I had friends that did that, man. I remember I always got made fun of because I was like, I like to keep clean. I was never, you know, getting dirty in the mud. And I had a friend named Ken Sprow and uh, he was just like, wild and we'd go to ponds and he'd be catching tadpoles and frogs and this that the other thing and he'd always come home filthy and i'd come home clean and his mom is like why can't you come home like john does like yeah i'm just a baby instinct they just like he'll he'll grab something out of right out of the pond without even seeing it. it's like an animal instinct yeah i like to i prefer to you know keep, keep for the most part pretty clean yeah my mom still lives out there and sort of my two brothers, but uh, yeah, I actually moved out to the big city, uh, which was uh, Kingston in 2002, <laughs> I guess it was. I was in college, had an apartment in Kingston, so I lived in Kingston, Wilkes-Barre, uh, and Pringle, uh, which is outside of Kingston. And yeah, of course. I'm in Durian. I went now, to the so, side, see, see. Oh yeah, so right across the street almost. In Pringle, but uh, and you never, yeah. you haven't, you never moved back to Hamak Creek. I didn't, and I don't know why. I mean, I really like the fact that um, you know you're kind of secluded, and you can kind of, if you want to build a fire, you know, you can do that. You can kind of, you know, screw off a little bit more because you don't have neighbors, and you don't have to kind of worry about being too loud. But I'm also, I'm a, I'm a people person too. So like, yeah. I live in a development now. Um, you know. It's yeah. just I like it. I like I like being around people. I like I feel like I'm part of something and and you know, we have the neighbors close by and everyone like knows who you are. And I don't know. There's I like both, but um I also don't like being far from a hospital either. Like you guys out there, man, you get you get hurt. You're you're you're, <laughs> you're taking a ride. Yeah, you got the first aid kit. That's so funny. I mean, I mean most of the injuries are are silly stuff, but it happens and it's yeah, it'll it is a little spooky. You're you're 20 minutes. At, at the least from uh, some type of healthcare facility, <laughs> but you got fishing wire and, and uh, needles and you could, for the most part, uh, fix anybody up with just that little super glue. Yeah. Uh, I guess if you learn, the... I guess if you learn, you'll be all right. But yeah, yeah. I drive back to my mom's house now and I, I see ponds. I'm like, I used to swim in that. Like I would never do that now. It's, <laughs> it's really weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. You know too much. You know too much at this point. And then what you move down even further uh, to the town to get be closer to Scranton, and then now you're in between yeah. Scranton and Wester. Yeah, I'm in the middle of both, which uh, you know, kind of well, it was good for when I was working in Scranton because uh, my wife worked in Wilkesbury, I worked in Scranton, so we were right kind of in the middle. And then uh, then I left that job in Scranton. Now I'm with Axelrad in Wilkesbury, mm-hmm. and she actually works from home uh, now. So it's like. I don't know. This one. How are you uh, liking Axel Rad? I know it's a little off topic, but I just remember seeing that you announced that, and it just seemed like such a cool, perfect fit for you know what you do and what you stand for. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's um, it's funny. I, I I always say that I went from a job where I had management that was just always up your ass, like right. every day, eight thirty meetings in the morning just to talk about the same thing that talked about the day prior. <laughs> yeah. 
to a place where it's kind of like you're kind of left to your own devices and like you're, 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 you know, our boss, like he hired you for a job and you're expected to do it. He's not going to like be over your shoulder. You know, he just like, you know, just do your job. <laughs> and I'll never forget the one day, like he was like, he's out of the office and he didn't, you know, announce it. He didn't say, Hey, I'm going to be out tomorrow. Like, make sure you check in with me. This, that, the other thing. I'm like, wow, this is really weird. Cause my last boss, he'd make a, a big deal. Like, okay, all right, I'm going to be out tomorrow. I want every one of you guys like call right. in, check in with me. Let me know what you're doing, where you're, where you're going, who you're seeing, what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, dude, <clears throat> I, I don't need to be babysat. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing about co-creative too, is I'd always, I'd worked in, you know, I got my first job as a graphic designer at age 15 and I've been in the industry ever since. And, you know, I'm a, I have some entrepreneurial tendencies and, uh, you know, really early on at co-creative Holly who's the CEO. Um, she, she's like, Hey, you know, if you like it here, which I was, I think that conversation I was saying, okay, I really, I really like it here. Even though I was just doing a one-off project. She said, if you want to work here, you can make yourself full time. And that was like the end of the conversation. And I was like, what do you mean I can make myself full time? It was like a challenge of like, yeah, run with it, like build something. And it was like, uh, okay. And I did, you know, I, I started the video team, like, you know, started the video team there and we've, we've grown ever since. And that's, you know, how I came to be where I was just that challenge to my entrepreneurial spirit. It's just like, yeah, and I, I had never been in a culture like that where it was just a, such a freedom to kind of pioneer your own path. And, uh, as a creative person, it's like the dream. Yeah. I can imagine that for, and for me, you know, I, I mean, I spent a lot of time at the weekender in my early years, which was, is very, is very Axel Red-esque, but I was at the the radio stations in time Shamrock for seven years. And I was kind of like ingrained in this, you know, every day, eight 30 to five 30, like, you know, meetings and this and that other thing. So like, when I got to this, I was kind of like, <coughs> excuse me, um, just kind of like, this is almost like too much freedom. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do all with all this, but it's going really well. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like um, I'm part of a family again, and which is weird because, you know, it's work, right? Um, but I'm sure it's kind of the same same vibe over at, at Cole. And uh, it's, it's really neat where, you know, everyone that you work with, like I could help, I could ask someone to help me like move m- my home tomorrow if, if I needed to. Yeah. And they would, like they wouldn't yeah. even like question it. And I never kind of, I never really had that camaraderie at the radio station. I mean, I had great friends there. I had a lot of fun there. I made a lot of money there, but I never felt that like closeness like I, like I do now. So uh, exchanging time for, uh, for money there. Yeah. Yeah. And so much time doing something, you know, and you should feel that. I think it's my opinion. Yeah, well, it's, it's such a cool thing to be a part of too, because it's grown so much since you know two thousand. So we started in 03, but I think he had a brick and mortar like store, uh, like two thousand eight or two thousand nine ish. But it's it's cool to be a part of that growth, and I mean, I'm sure you can kind of relate to that with Cole, like <clears throat> you know how that started and where it is now, and it's cool to be part of those pockets where there's, it's it's young owners. They're they're kind of breaking the mold of that nine to five grind it's more of a collaborative and team effort and all that kind of stuff. And, um, it's cool. Yeah. I can't imagine, you know, doing anything else. Uh, you know, I, I, I see myself at co-creative in some capacity for the rest of my days. And, you know, 
do yeah, another talk, talk about coal. I mean, I, and obviously we, uh, the main focus was, was Knox and we'll get back to that, but I mean, I wanted to talk to you for a few different reasons. I haven't hung out with you since, you know, like we said, yeah. 2019. Sure. For sure. And I mean, coal's a big part of your life and, and, and they they seem to be doing things a lot. Um, and the name's everywhere. Yeah. I can't go on uh, social media without seeing you guys, whether it be at the show, you guys were, you, you just had, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but like just being involved in the community and, and, and showing support for the the area that you work and live in. And so talk about coal and, you know, what coal creative is for those who don't know and kind of where that might be going. Sure. Um, coal creative is like you said, it, it's a, it is a creative agency um, in downtown Wilkes-Barre. We work on web development, uh, design, uh, social media strategy, video production, um, and public relations. And uh, it really started out, um, you know, about six years ago um, in an office, you know, not much bigger than this dining room that I'm in right now. And um, since then, uh, like you said, it, there is a true focus on the community. Um, and we, every year we, um, you know, donate a tremendous amount of time. We're out attending events and we're supporting things. And that's really been um, a catalyst for the growth of co-creative. And that's, you know, like I said, led by Holly and her commitment to the community. And, you know, we've really grown uh, as a result of that. And it wasn't, I don't think that was an intentional like marketing ploy, like, Oh, we'll go out and go to all these events. And because of that, will everyone will think of us when they think of marketing uh, in NEPA, but it's just something that happened as a byproduct of a genuine community sport. And through that, you know, I've ended up getting involved and I'm kind of an introvert. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, like about being in a dream scenario and I didn't have to do anything in the pandemic. It was like my, my, my dream day is to work nine to five, come back, be creative for a little bit and, you know, watch something on, on TV or, or, you know, have a fire outside. And, uh, I find myself on boards and on committees and all of these wonderful things in the community in it. And it's like, a, it's like a whole lifestyle, uh, being a part of co-creator and that lifestyle is one that's really genuinely committed to our community and it's in its growth. And, uh, you know, more, more importantly, really focused on our team, which has really kind of ballooned out and grown in a, in a really beautiful way over the past even two years, we've doubled in size and, and in scope. It's pretty, pretty wild. And you are the creative director there, correct? I am uh, the chief creative officer, but Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a promotion, a, right? That was just recently. Newer, right? Yeah, it's a newer, okay. newer promotion, but it, it, it's pretty much the same. Uh, you know, just expanded scope of, of duties, and really, um, I find myself a lot more involved in the sales side of things, which uh, is pretty interesting as a creative person. But you know, it's really important when you're talking to a potential potential client that they trust that the creative that their creative ideas can be implemented by your team. So, um, you know, I find myself really working as kind of a bridge between our collaborators, which we, we call our clients collaborators, just because it best marketing is done when there's a, a good collaboration and um, our team. So I make sure that their goals are understood by our team and our creative is top notch. Now you mentioned you're kind of like, have a hand in sales and you're a creative person i've never been and this is not a knock on those who are creative <laughs> i've been around a lot of creative people in, uh, uh, over the years and they're not good with like asking for money they're just not like they're just yeah. <laughs> asking really for money good. is very hard it really is 
my main, uh, you know, that is, I, it's funny because, you know, I have this history and like, I've been in marketing for a long time and I've been in marketing in NEPA for a long time. And there's a big difference in marketing in NEPA than, you know, cause you can't, you know, you work with a small business and it's coming out of their pocket sometimes, or you're working with somebody who's, you know, they're like investing their retirement in your marketing ideas. And it, the stakes are often very high and the budgets are very small. So it's like, there's a lot of stress uh, wrapped up in all of that. So um, that is a problem I have. It is where I'll, I'll be there and I'll be like, yeah, like, no, no problem. No, you don't have to pay us at all. Or, or you know, that that's that's like my my <laughs> typical approach is, is I'll come in and pitch them a humongous idea. And then, you know, obviously it ends up being a little bit larger than the scope that they're prepared for. But mm-hmm. now we've built, we've insulated me with a, a great team of, um, you know, operational members who I'll come in and I'm kind of like the circus monkey where they'll talk the details and then I'll pitch them a creative idea and then I'll step back and they, somebody else can talk about the money part of it. And, uh, I'm, I'm safe. <laughs> it's tough, man. It's tough. It's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the, the, the worst thing in the world is, you know, like I said, you, you meet with somebody and they're, they're, they're like, all right, I'm retired. I've got some money put away and I want to do this thing I've always thought about doing. And you're like, oh man, like the stakes are now so high because I want this to work so badly for you. And, yeah. you know, we were, we're fortunate enough to have a great team who, you know, accomplishes goals and whatnot, but still doesn't make it, you know, when things get tough, you're like, oh, this, this feels, this feels scary. You're in it. You're like, I'm, I'm in your business now. Like I, I, I am just as committed to your success as you are. But it's such a cool feeling too, to be part of. Especially when, when it goes well, you know, I mean, I sold radio for seven years and that was always like a stressful thing. You know, you're, you're, you're selling a product that you you know, you can't see, you can't touch it. Like, yeah, you can't track it. Like, it's just like, you hope to God that someone tells the the owner that they heard their ad on the radio because all you need is one. Oh, yeah. use one person. Like, oh, it's working. <laughs> yeah. I heard you had on the radio. Great. It's working. It's perfect. But uh, yeah, what a, um, but there's times where like, you know, you know, and it's our job is, you know, uh, consultants and things like that to, you know, create different ways or different avenues, whether it's, whether it's like an event or a, a promotion or whatever it might be. And when it, when you see that succeed, there's like no greater feeling. So it's like, it's such a, uh, a fine line to walk sometimes. What about, you know, not to turn the tables on you, but I mean, you, you've got a lot of experience in doing podcasts. What's your, what's your end game here? Well, I mean, this is, it's really incredible and I've got an awesome setup. It looks really, really official. What's your, what, what's your dream <laughs> scenario here? Oh, thank you. This is uh, my, my that exposed brick. Mm. yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I'm in my basement. This is the, my bar This is the backdrop of my bar. Okay. Uh, the computer is on the bar. Uh, I mean, the end game for this man, um, I, you know, it's one of those things I started, uh, just because, you know, the, the radio station that, uh, you were featured on a few times, you know, yeah. they, they blew it up. They, they moved on from it for whatever reason. Uh, I'll still never understand, but whatever. I don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. So, it is what it is. And, you know, I was doing a podcast as part of that radio station or the radio yeah. show as well. And then, you know, when the, the show kind of got canceled, I'm like, what the hell do I do now? And, um, 
you know, I always say uh, when that got canceled, I was like, I feel like I need the scene more than the scene needs me. Damn. And I'm like, so I'm like, how do I, how do I shove myself into the scene still? And like where I, I you know, I'm still involved and, and still here and still helping people and giving a platform to musicians and, and creatives and things like that to kind of like talk about themselves and what they do and why they do it. And uh, I just thought, well, maybe I'll just continue doing, you know, the podcast part of it. And here we are. Um, you know, it's one of those things. I mean, I would like to get out of my, my basement. Um, you know, it's one of those things that the audio suffers the most. Um, like you yeah. know, doing it like this, right? It's so conv- it's, it's convenient for sure, right? Like, I mean, it's, it's what, 9.20 on a Monday <clears throat> night and we're talking, right? Um, if I had a studio, would that be feasible? I don't know, you know, but I would like to get it like, kind of a studio setting with uh, better equipment where I can kind of control the audio more just because like it's an audio format. Yes, we're doing the re- recording the video to go on Facebook and YouTube and shit like that too. But for the most part, you know, podcasts are, you know, consumed through your ears. Right, uh, right. So it's like, I wanted to sound the best it can. And I think you have to have more control over that. I mean, you sound you fine. sound good, and I, well, I feel like I'm going through a speed. I'm going through an iPad <coughs> here, so you got that. You, you sound really crisp. And this is better than what you're doing, and this is no offense <laughs> to you. I mean, but you know, not everyone has access or or wants to have a freaking you know microphone in, you know near them. So it's like it is what it is. I think it works. I think we're in, in a situation where you know, through the pandemic, uh, audio has taken the back seat in a lot of formats because we're all doing zoom meetings and things like that. So people kind of like give you a little bit more of a break. So I, mm-hmm. I think I'm okay there, but eventually I'd like to make this more pro and, you know, grow it more. And I've had the opportunity to you know talk to a lot of um, musicians that are a local level and also uh, a more national level. Um, which has been really neat. And I just kind of want to keep the conversations going and, and give people a platform to talk about who they are and what they do. I gotta say the Sean Daney episode was incredible. Big oh, fan thanks. of both of you guys. Yeah. It's great stuff. I feel like you're, uh, um, if you talk about aliens more, you'd probably, you'd be on, you'd be a Rogan level. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm only a million followers away from him. <laughs> No, but thank you for the kind words. But, but yeah, that's where it's kind of where I'm at. So, and I appreciate you reaching out to me and wanting to be involved. And, um, let's get back to your music. I mean, that's what we're here to talk about, right? Let's do it. Um, you know, you talked about the EP and then the new album, the full length, and you kind of it's a little different than the previous one. You kind of have a full band mm-hmm. as opposed. I think the the last EP was almost like a solo effort. Yeah, talk about the crew you put together because I think it's almost like a family affair. Yeah, it, the, the first one it, I've always played in a in a family band. Uh, I have five brothers and three sisters, and my grandma was a music teacher, so we all, um, you know, whether we liked it or not, most of us liked it. Uh, were into music growing up, and uh, my big brother Jonathan played plays guitar, and he's he's an incredible guitar player. But uh, he was the first of our kin to have a kid and uh you know as a brother and he was my closest friend you know we grew up you know 
shared a bunk bed and for, for way longer of my life than I'll admit. And when I went to, lived, moved to Pittsburgh for college, he moved out with me and it was, you know, he's my best, best friend. And he had a kid who obviously my nephew is incredible, but, um, I saw a lot less than my brother and I, we didn't have time for, you know, there's some, some, sometimes life happens in such a grand way that, you know, my band or the band feels silly. You're like, I'm not going to have you leave your child to like come and play the same songs over and over. So we ended up just not really doing the band anymore. And I still had the kind of longing to create music. So I started making it by myself. I had moved to Knoxon. So I was really inspired by the scenery and specifically the Creek right beside my house is a Bowman's Creek. Um, so the windows are open. You can hear it rushing and it's, it's a really beautiful you know, sonic experience. Uh, but I started writing by myself using um, just a synthesizer and garage band and uh, put together that first EP um, as a solo project. And then what ended up happening is, you know, we got asked to play a show, which was awesome. And, uh, you know, this is back years ago, but we got asked to play a show and it's like, am I just going to go up and hit play on an iPad or on a, and like basically sing karaoke because I'm not an excellent musician. Like I said, I'm more of a technician where I kind of manipulate all these sounds to make a song. Um, so am I just going to go up and sing karaoke essentially, or can, should I put, start putting together a band? And like I said, all my siblings play instruments. So I went crawling back to my older brother, John, and, uh, you know, my sister Anna has a beautiful voice and my little brother Dave plays bass and my other brother Elijah plays drums. And, you know, before you knew it, we were essentially playing together in the same exact band that we were playing in before, but the songs were a little bit different and uh, more pop focused where the other stuff we had written in the past were more, you know, folk, Avid Brothers, uh, you know, Mumford and Son style. But uh, my solo album was almost, it was kind of like a dream pop experience. So we kind of blended the two. So it's like dream pop folk music. It's a little, it's a little bit strange, but it feels, feels good to me. Yeah, I had Mumford and Sons written down. I also had, um, you know, Head in the Heart of Monsters and Men kind of vibe. I hate, I hate uh, mm-hmm. relating bands to other bands because it's like, what if they hate that band? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, no, you know, for anyone sense. listening, maybe if you like those bands, they might like, you know, you know what I yeah. what I hear anyways. But it's, it's funny because we, we we grew up very. Um, my parents. And I'm not, I don't find myself a very religious person, but my, we were raised very religious. So my influences, I, I didn't listen to the Beatles until college. And, you know, when I did, I banned on the run by Paul McCartney was on. And I asked my everyone, I'm like, what is this? This is awesome. It's like, it's Paul McCartney from the Beatles. And like, from there, I just, you know, my influences are like, you know, Disney VHS tapes or like the song that played at the end of Land Before Time or like, you know, a Christian rock DC talk from the nineties. That was like the only music I was allowed to listen to. So, you know, the influences end up being like that, but I think if you just get people who look together, family, a family band of folk, it naturally starts sounding like those bands that you had mentioned and, you know, create, create those sounds. You know, it's fun that you mentioned uh, Disney tapes and things like that. I just got back from Disney uh, about a week ago. And I mean, there's some great music in those movies. My gosh. I mean, I, I just sat through a frozen thing uh, one day 
and like it just like you know i obviously i'm not visually uh interested in what's going on right. so, so i like so i would listen to the music at that point and i'm like wow this is this is incredible i don't know if you ever the, the main influence i would say for this album if i was to pick a disney movie would be the old time uh like the uh the robin hood the fox version of robin hood i don't know if you ever saw that one but roger miller is like an old 60s crooner and he wrote all the music for that and it's it's uh i listened to a lot of music from the 50s and 60s uh as influence for, for this yeah that's cool yeah and what's it like i mean making music with your, your with your family i mean that's gotta be it's pretty wild to even like you, you have enough family members to have a band full of (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting it's like any other family dynamic because you know there's a pecking order that just naturally occurs and you know i played with my bigger brother so it's like i'm gonna listen to anything he says and you know if he puts his foot down i'm afraid or and then i have my little brothers and i I make sure that you know it's, it's just this beautiful but when it's good i think that one of when there's that natural family chemistry, um, you know, it's really hard to replicate that sound um, when you don't have that home life experience. And a lot of these songs are deeply, deeply personal. And, um, you know, my parents got divorced when we were young and it, you know, at the time it really affected us and there's songs on there that kind of tackle those feelings. And there's something about, um, you know, singing that with your little sister who has that shared experience and it, it just makes it all the more personal. And, you know, people come up afterwards at the last show, we were like, I kind of went into the backstory of the one song. Um, and, you know, people who relate to that will come up and be like, I was crying and I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, because to me, that's just my, my own personal small circle of life experience. And then with anything that you create and put out in the world, it obviously affects people. And there's millions of people who, his parents have been divorced and it affected them and they could relate to that. So having that family element is just, I, I honestly, you know, can't really imagine creating music without them. It's, it's a secret weapon. How cool is it that you can create something that would make someone cry like that? I mean, I mean, that's one reason I love music and I'm a, I'm a big, I don't know if, if, if I got, and I got worse after I had a kid, but like, I'm a softy man. I mean, I've, I've been at concerts and I've been crying and I, I mean, I went and saw Incubus, uh, 2019. I think it was their 20 year anniversary of make yourself. And I'm just there and I'm crying. And it's like, cause I was taken back to like when the album came out, the friendships that I had, the yeah. moments in time, like it wasn't, cause I was sad. It was just like, it was just like a, a powerful moment. And like, I feel like a, like a, idiot i'm sitting there crying and like the same things happened like when i was at this uh, sherman theater seeing blue october and hearing him tell stories about you know losing his kid and and not yeah. not from uh. death but just like you know he was fucked up and he lost his child but like he you know picked himself up off the ground and he made all these changes and now his daughter's in his life full time and like as a, as a father myself like i'm hearing that story i'm like oh my god i, I couldn't imagine yeah. not having my son in my life and i couldn't i I'm imagining like, you know, my son being away from me and then like getting him back, like what a powerful, like emotional yeah. thing that may have been like, what's it like being able to do that? Like, that's gotta be like wild. Yeah. I mean, I too, am a pretty, uh, I can be a softy uh, specifically in, in movies and music. Um, you know, there's just 
you know, specific moments that'll just, you know, hit you right in the, right in the, the feels. tear ducts there. Yeah, like in the, the feels, say. as the kids say. The kids say, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think part of it is probably a little bit manipulative, not in a bad way, but like, uh, you know, again, to refer to making a movie is you, you structure a story to have an impact. So like a song, I try to structure in the same way. Uh, so, you know, it has a beginning where you introduce a concept and then a middle where you make the audience care about the concept. And then you should have a climax that is impactful. So whether you're increasing the drums and you're making it more intense or, you know, you're adding more vocal harmonies, I really structure my songs to have that rising action and then that climax and then it comes down. So it's almost like a whole experience. And it, if you listen to the album and you're thinking about that, you'll probably be like, oh, God damn, you wrote, you did that in every single song. And that's like a, I'm a one trick pony. But really the, the idea is that that journey that people go on it is, um, you know, I think what, in my opinion, is is how we crafted our music to make it special is that each song is its own little journey. So, you know, it feels incredible to create a song like that and in that in that fashion and then to have it to see it's like making an invention and watching someone use the invention and it works. It's like the, the best feeling in the world. And, uh, you know, obviously people can relate to my life experiences. It's like you make an immediate friend because, yeah. you know you're relating to each other that's great and i, mean, I said earlier you know you, you're kind of you, you kind of take your you know your storytelling and your um you know your writing and your you know the movie making and things like that and kind of inject it into the the music so yeah it all comes together you're a a creative man appreciate sure. that so this shots thing are we taking shots no, it's it's Monday night. I mean, you're more than welcome to take a shot. Take a shot. And I was wondering what the name came from. Well, it's it's brought to you by the V Spot Bar in Scranton. So the oh, whole of take course, a shot, right, says, yeah. right? So I we don't take shots. They no. we take shots at the V Spot. They're, they're yeah, take shots at the V Spot responsibly, of course. I mean, if this was a Friday night, maybe I'd take a shot. I don't know, but it's Monday. Long week ahead of me. <laughs> got back from from disney like i said so oh, but i oh, I, I encourage people to take take a shot ask some questions uh on uh, facebook and instagram and uh, i do have a few questions for you oh yeah oh yeah all right uh ray keen uh i'm not sure if you know him or not but he uh asks how your pig is doing miss mabel yeah so i uh I did buy an impulse pig in, uh, in, uh, where the Amish live Lancaster. Yes. I was driving through a hand painted sign, the pigs for piglets for sale stopped just to look at them. Next thing I know I'm driving back in Lancaster with a pig on my lap, Googling how to take care of them. Um, and turns out they only live to be about 40. So I don't have to live with that life decision for too much longer, but, um, She's doing great. Yeah, I have a little video here of her uh, eating a eating an orange. Wait, so yeah. how how old is this pig? Right now, she's about six. I mean, you said forty. Like that's a long time. That's how long they. That's how long they apparently live in good circumstances. And uh, yeah, she's she's a she's a spoiled spoiled lady. So I think she'll she's gonna be doing all right. Yeah. 
man, I don't think I want to ever own something that could possibly outlive me. <laughs> this pick's definitely going to outlive me. Absolutely. <laughs> I only have a couple months left probably. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> gone. So, <laughs> yeah. But Ray, uh, yes. Nagel's doing good. That's good. That's good. Evan Mock asked, how did you get so fly? <laughs> well, it's funny. Evan Mock is also a Knox and fella. He just moved out here by the farm. Uh, one of my favorite people. I actually asked him to be in the band before. Uh, he's an excellent bass player. And he actually told me, he's like, you know, your little brother Dave plays bass. And I was like, no, he doesn't. It turns out he does. Evan Mock, uh, you know, it's, I have good role models like Evan Mock to uh, be fly uh, towards. There you go. Cassidy Taylor asks, what was your favorite song to write and why? It's a two-part question. Yeah. And then and then on the other side of that, what's the hardest song to write? Oof. My favorite song to write, um, you know, uh, I really you, you mentioned an education earlier. Um, that song is really fun. It's uh I went to college in Pittsburgh, but I ended up not finishing and ended up, you know, I'm still paying student loans even though I didn't don't have anything to show for it. And it's just kind of a funny and ironic thing. Um, and there was just a time when I had first moved back and I was freelancing, doing wedding videos, um, as you know. And I, uh, I really found myself being like, I should have just stayed in fucking college. Like, why am I? Or I was freelancing, but I was also working in construction. So I was like doing all this stuff and, you know, covered in concrete dust every day. And, you know, it's just like, I've always I'm meant for more than construction. And so it's about that. So it does have a fun meaning, but also the song's just a lot of fun. And I did collaborate with, um, you know, I spread the circle a little wider than my family. And uh, education is really fun. I brought in the band, The Human Beings, who are really incredible. They're a local band. And um, actually, Mike Steck, who is also a local musician. Dude, he's awesome. Um, yeah, he plays the keys on that. And that, there's that key solo. And he, he played that in one take, and it was just a, a, an incredible experience. And actually, back in the day, Jordan Ramirez was uh, helping me kind of put that song together. And funny story, so we had this whole song recorded, and I, I had put my laptop on top of my car and drove off, and it got <laughs> run over by a tractor trailer. So I had to start from scratch, but I rebuilt it. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I think the hardest one is definitely Holy Water. It's a six-minute song, and... Um, like I was saying earlier, the Beatles really inspired me because they do all these tempo changes. And I never done a song with tempo changes. If you listen to most of our songs, they're pretty like they're pretty they coast, uh, you know, they 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 build an intensity, but they keep the same kind of driving beat the whole time. But holy water changes tempo three times, and uh that was a real challenge to at least record and uh and create something that's interesting for six minutes long. Yeah. Cool. And then last question, my wife decided to jump in and uh, she asked how the, the name Noxon came about. I think that's kind of self-explanatory, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm about here in Noxon. It's a beautiful place to be. Rattlesnake Roundup. I actually, my dream is just to, I'm, I'm, you heard it here first, is I just want to play at the Rattlesnake Roundup and then I'm probably going to pull the plug. I'll call it quits. I feel like that could probably happen very easily. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't asked anybody, but uh, I feel like, you know, they get like strawberry jam or like, uh, you know, they get, they get those jam bands or the cover bands. And, you know, I don't think we'd ever do a, a co any cover song justice just because. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. 
There's a there's a gentleman. I'm not sure if you know of him. I'm sure you do. Um, he went to high school with me. Uh, his name is R.J. Scouten. He is. Oh, from, yeah. He's from Knoxon. He loves Knoxon. He is so mad that you have the name, the band name, Knoxon. I see him driving by me all the time, but you know, he, sh- <laughs> he shouldn't have moved out of Knoxon if he wanted to keep that. Oh shit! Yeah, fighting words. <laughs> when I first moved here, first week here, uh, he, uh, I was, I had uh, went out on my dirt bike and I, uh, my light went out and I, it got dark and I was, I was still riding back and and he, uh, he pulled me over and was, was and he was like, you can't drive around in, in, in the dark like this. You're going to get killed. I was like, it's RJ Scouting from Stealing Meal. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He would do that too. Yeah. I, I could yeah. definitely picture that. He was also, I think he was looking out for my best interests. So oh, absolutely. 100%. He's not mad. Uh, He's just telling you what you needed to hear. But I'm a big fan of RJ and I, we know a lot of the same people. And, uh, yeah. you know, he, I think he was, uh, when I was, I was voting at the fire hall, he was uh, a volunteer there last time I saw him. Gotcha. And then I have one one last question I have for you for the the the, the take a shot segment. What uh, what's in that safe back there? What's well, in the safe? Know, I started I started out with one with one rifle, one one child's uh, gun, and but uh, you know I do have five brothers, and uh, the arsenal has grown, and I, I, and once it's there, I don't know anybody buddy who can move it. So uh, everybody in my entire family, just wherever they live, they keep their weaponry as uncomfortable as i am because i truly am a pretty uh peaceful person who gets nervous around uh things that could kill you quick uh but you know there's a lot of weapons in there yeah i own one gun and it's just just to have i hope i hope to never to never use it i mean i've shot it on the range a few times just so i'm you know familiar with it and how it works but uh yeah i'm not uh not one of those those gun guys yeah, not, not a gun guy either. And uh, my partner, she she does not uh, doesn't like guns either. So uh, you know, every once in a while, I'll get a, I, I got I have a good imagination, and I'll imagine that you know I got to keep a gun by the bed or something like that. But I don't think there's you know, knock on wood, I feel pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I hope you I hope you never have to use it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, one last question outside of that, the take a shot segment. Um, what what's next? What's in store for for the band Noxon this year in 2022? Anything else? Yeah, that's a great. My, my, we're spread out across Pennsylvania now. The my siblings, my sister moved to um, Washington D.C. Her her uh, fiance is in the armed forces, and his work took him out there. My brother lives in Pittsburgh now, and uh, you know my, my two younger brothers are next door to me. But uh, we're still working on music. Um, you know, after the album came out, I thought I'd want to just relax and not not work on music, work on other things, maybe work on a film or something like that. But um, you know, we pretty much immediately started recording a an EP um, that we're looking to put out of more exploring this more folky sound, and we're just gonna see where that takes us. I mean, we also started working on a about a, like a 30 minute short film uh, about that Noxon lore of the big rattlesnake um, and the native gang. But, you know, these, these things take time and, um, you know, been trying to, trying to figure my priorities out, I guess. But I think we're just going to 
chill out for a little bit, make some music. And I don't know if there's any shows on the horizon, maybe the Rattlesnake Roundup. Well, I feel like I blew it. I mean, you just had a show at Carl Hall last week. I think it was April 28th or so. Uh, yeah. That may have been my uh, last chance to see you, sounds like. Yeah. Damn. It was uh, my birthday, too. Jesus, so. I missed your birthday and the show. It was a Ooh. magical show. But, you know, if we play at the Rattlesnake Roundup, uh, I'll get you in the beer tent. Can you get uh, me in the, the back door? Yeah. Yeah. I'll get you in the beer tent. We'll have some um, some clams and uh, we'll listen to Stealing Meal and. Uh, and uh, what, what uh, the strawberry jam, and sure. maybe we'll sneak up and uh, sing a song or two. Sounds good. And then finally, where can people find your music? We are live on uh, all streaming platforms as well as YouTube, and you can connect with us on Instagram at Noxin underscore Music. Cool. And I'm assuming Facebook as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure if people still use Facebook as as much, but. Uh, are you anti-Facebook? Uh, I'm on there for work, but uh, I find it I find it to be a, a black hole. Yeah, uh, in most scenarios. You're not wrong. <laughs> what about what about TikTok? What about Twitter? I don't I don't tweet, uh, and <laughs> I have a TikTok because people share TikToks with you, and it's annoying yeah. to have to download it every time. But yeah. other than that, I uh, you know I I think it's a it's a pretty big. Pr- I, I could find myself. And I'm sure this is a, a universal thing, but uh, you know, you get up in the morning, you're like, should I work out? Yeah, let me just read a couple of stories on Reddit first or whatever. And then like an hour passed, and you're like, well, I guess I got to go to work now. <laughs> and I think if I increase the amount of platforms that I have, that that's not going to get better, any better. So oh, you're not wrong. You're very, yeah. not only are you handsome, talented, and creative, <laughs> you're you're very smart. Yeah. <laughs> if I catch you. Well, the band knocks, and thanks for. Uh... Sam, thanks for hanging out tonight. I appreciate your time. It was good catching up after the last few years. It feels yeah, good to, to you know still see you on a screen, but it's not a still picture of you smiling and, and, and posing. It's it's you moving and talking. So, well, next time we get together, uh, first couple rounds are on me for making you wait for fifteen minutes. I appreciate uh, you, dude. I mean, if I count on um, both my hands, how many times I was late getting on one of these, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do it, but. Um, we should try and get together. I mean, you live, live you you work five minutes from from where I work. We can, no we, can grab, we can grab some beers after work. Maybe at Franklin's nice place on the square there. But uh, thank you again. Check out Noxon on all the streaming platforms and on social media. And Sam, hopefully, I will see you sooner than later. Sounds good, Johnny. Thank you, man. Thank you. Peace. See you.